Hello and welcome to 2023 March Fellows Podcast, where we will outline the highlights of the 2023 special issue of the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer, titled Novel Therapies Leading to a New Landscape in Gynecologic Tumors. I am Giulio Bonaldo from the University Hospital of Padova in Italy. I'm Jennifer Davis Oliveira from the University of Manchester and St. Mary's Hospital, Manchester, United Kingdom. The guest editors, Ainoa Madariaga, Robert Coleman, and Antonio Gonzalez Martin, present the editorial article introducing the 2023 special issue. This special issue showcases review articles by world leaders in gynecologic oncology discussing the biology of gynecologic tumors, rational and development of new therapeutic approaches, clinical trial design and interpretation, and novel drug-related adverse event management. Maddie and colleagues present a summary of current indications of immunotherapy for the treatment of advanced and recurrent endometrial cancer divided through molecular typing. In microsatellite instability high endometrial cancers, immune checkpoint inhibitors show promising single-agent activity in recurrent settings. In microsatellite-stable endometrial cancers, single immune checkpoint inhibitors showed underwhelming efficacy, but with a combination approach, efficacy was significantly improved. They conclude that further work is needed to identify strategies to combat resistance, enhance response to immune checkpoint inhibitors, and move immunotherapy to the first-line setting. Alicia Leon Castillo presents a review of Update in the Molecular Classification of Endometrial Carcinoma. The European guidelines have encouraged the implementation of the molecular classification, considering its strong prognostic value and potential to inform adjuvant treatment decisions. Implementation of surrogate markers is one of the challenge. It's known there are five hotspot polyexonuclease domain mutations that are recognized as pathogenic. A scoring system with well-defined cut-off points to assess polyvariance pathogenicity has been generated. The scoring system identified a set of 11 polyexonuclease domain mutations causative of indolent clinical behavior. This has provided a pragmatic guideline for the interpretation of polyvariance, facilitating the implementation of polytesting in clinical practice. In order to classify MMRD endometrial carcinomas, either immunohistochemistry or DNA-based techniques can be used. MMR immunohistochemistry consists of staining for the four major MMR proteins or a two-marker approach immunohistochemistry stain can be used. In case of PMS2 or MSH6 loss, MLH1 and MSH2 should be performed. Considering P53, immunohistochemistry is the preferred surrogate marker for P53 abnormal endometrial carcinomas. The latest European clinical practice guidelines have adopted a model integrating clinical pathological features and molecular subgroups. The review highlights that the prognostic weight of traditionally pathological features and biomarkers will differ across the molecular subgroups. Stage 
is a particularly relevant prognostic factor for MMRD and NSMP endometrial carcinomas. NSMP endometrial carcinoma, when associated with high-grade histologies, particularly clear cell carcinoma, shows poor clinical outcomes. Substantial LVSI is frequently described by P53 and MMRD subgroups, but probably is in the NSMP group that the substantial LVSI will play a major role. New biomarkers in the context of the molecular subgroups are still needed. One of the most promising is the anti-tumor immune infiltrate. Reducing costs in molecular testing is another challenge. Currently, molecular testing is recommended in all patients, but in a setting with limited resources, in order to avoid the extra cost of polytesting, in patients with low-risk endometrial carcinomas, P53 immunohistochemistry could be used as a screening method and only tumors with a mutant P53 staining pattern and MMD proficient would be tested for poly mutations. Dr. Leon Castillo concludes by saying that the specific prognostic value and size effect of pathological variables within each molecular subgroup should be evaluated in coming years to further improve risk assessment and patient management. Kaplan and colleagues present a summary of biomarker-driven therapy in endometrial cancer by molecular subtyping. For mismatch repair deficient microsatellite instability high, pembrolizumab can be used for those with advanced or recurrent disease which has progressed or following platinum-containing therapy. For mismatch repair proficient microsatellite stable, including copy number high, P53 abnormal, and no specific molecular profiling, copy number low. Pembrolizumab and Lenvatinib combination has had approval for use in Australia and Canada. Trastuzumab has been approved for those human epidermal growth factor receptor 2 positive endometrial cancers, which is primarily for P53 abnormal copy number high subtypes. Selinexor, which is an exporting one inhibitor, show potential benefit in P53 wild-type cases. For no specific molecular profile, copy number low, hormonal combinations with cyclin-dependent kinase 4 and 6 inhibitors and letrozole are being evaluated. For poly cases with their favorable prognosis with or without adjuvant therapy, treatment de-escalation de is being evaluated. Ongoing trials are further evaluating immunotherapy in combination with frontline chemotherapy and other targeted agents for the treatment of endometrial cancer. Lauren Cobb and David Gershenson present a review titled Novel Therapeutics in Low-Grade Serous Ovarian Cancer. It's well known that low-grade serous cancers have demonstrated relative chemoresistance in multiple clinical settings as primary adjuvant neoadjuvant and recurrent disease and so there is a need for more effective therapies for the treatment of low-grade serous carcinoma. Endocrine therapy has shown promising results in maintenance and adjuvant setting. Matau trial and NRG-GY19 trial are enrolling patients for the evaluation of hormonal therapy respectively in a maintenance and adjuvant setting. Also, Endocrine therapy, in combination with CDK46 inhibitors, 
is being explored in the new adjuvant and recurrent metastatic settings with very promising results. Two retrospective studies from MD Anderson and Memorial Sloan Kettering demonstrated that bevacizumab most often in combination with chemotherapy has activity in a recurrent setting and should be considered a treatment option for these patients. The authors highlight that low-grade serious ovarian cancer is characterized by aberrations in the MAPK pathway. Three trials investigated the effect of MEK inhibitors. The Milo-Angot O11 trial was closed for longer PFS in the control arm. However, the GOG281 and GOG239 showed promising results. Therefore, inhibitors of MAPK pathway warranted further investigation. MEK inhibitor combination therapies seem to be one of the most promising fields. Combination therapy with inhibition of BRAF and MEK, MEK and PI3K, PARP and MIK is being studied. The authors highlight also how our understanding of low-grade serous carcinomas has changed as we have distinguished them as a separate entity. In conclusion, while chemotherapy has demonstrated minimal effectiveness, multiple endocrine and MAPK pathway target combination therapies provide promising alternatives for future treatment options. Viveros Carreño and colleagues present an update on cervical cancer prevention. Cervical cancer represents a global health disparity with up to 90% of new cases occurring in less developed countries. The disease is caused by high-risk strains of the human papillomavirus and genotypes 16 and 18 account for 70% of cervical cancer cases currently. This cancer is preventable and the World Health Organization launched a campaign to eliminate the disease by 2130 with the aim of 90% of young girls vaccinated, 70% of women screened at least twice in a lifetime and 90% treated adequately for precancerous or cancer of the cervix. Some knowledge gaps remain including minimum number of vaccine doses needed, the utility of post-treatment vaccination and the use of self-sampling methods for cervical screening, including vaginal self-sampling and urine for HPV testing. Doctors James Stewart, Nian Cunningham and Susanna Banerjee present a review of new therapies for clear cell ovarian carcinoma. The poor outcomes for women with advanced ovarian clear cell carcinoma, characterized by resistance to standard chemotherapy together with its unique molecular characteristics, have demanded a stepwise change in how treatment of this epithelial ovarian cancer is approached. Attempts to improve ovarian clear cell carcinoma management have broadly focused on three main strategies. First one, immune checkpoint blockade. Second one, targeting angiogenesis and third one exploiting ERID1A synthetic lethal interactions. Some trials investigated immune checkpoint inhibitors suggesting a benefit from this approach, but others did not show the same results. Specifically, the Peacock trial suggests that it is justifiable to consider pembrolizumab as a valid treatment option for relapsed ovarian clear cell carcinoma. Many studies highlight the need for biomarkers predictive of response and further trial in this area. 
targeting angiogenesis has been shown to augment the anti-tumor effect of immune checkpoint blockade. There are several ongoing trials of anti-angiogenic therapy in combination with immune checkpoint inhibitors. Preliminary results from the INOVA study, a combination of bevacizumab and cintilimab, showed promising results. The most frequent genetic alteration in ovarian clear cell carcinoma is loss of function of ERID1A. The identification of a synthetic lethal interaction between ERID1A and ATR, a critical component of the DNA damage response, led to the development of the Atari clinical trial, which is assessing Cedalazortib activity as a single agent or in combination with Olaparib in ERID1A stratified recurrent gynecological cancers. Results are eagerly awaited. Brown colleagues provide an overview of the advances in immunotherapy in cervical cancer. Until recently, patients unfortunate enough to develop recurrent, persistent or metastatic disease unsuitable for curative therapeutic approaches would be candidates for cisplatin-based chemotherapy plus bevacizumab. Two pivotal trials, Empower Cervical 1 and Keynote 826, have demonstrated a clinically and statistically significant survival benefit of adding immune checkpoint inhibitors in both post-platinum progression and frontline settings. Preliminary exploration of immunotherapy within the locally advanced setting has been disappointing so far. Early phase trials on novel immunotherapy approaches such as HPV therapeutic vaccines and adoptive cell therapy look promising. The review titled Integrating Antibody Drug Conjugates in the Management of Gynecologic Cancers is written by Anka Celario Raiku, Sven Machner, Kathleen Nadine Moore, Domenica Lorusso, and Robert Coleman. In the paper, the authors explain that antibody drug conjugates, or ADC, provide a selective delivery mediated by humanized monoclonal antibody biting to a target. Following target binding, the ADC molecule should be internalized, facilitating the direct delivery of the cytotoxic agent into the tumor cell. Tisotumab vedotin was the first FDA-approved ADC for the treatment of patients with recurrent or metastatic cervical cancer after the promising results from INNOVA study. The confirmed approval is pending the results of an ongoing GOG-ENGOT phase 3 trial that is still recruiting patients. Mirvetuxibansovratansin is the most promising ADC conjugated with a microtubule toxin for the treatment of patients with folate receptors alpha-high platinum-resistant ovarian cancer. The approval is pending the GOG-ENGOT Mirasol trial, but the results of the previous Soraya trial are very encouraging. There are numerous additional antibody drug conjugates in early development for ovarian cancer as lifastuzumab, upfitamab, farletuzumab and anetuzumab, but further research is needed. In addition, another interesting field is the future use of ADCs in combination with antiangiogenic agents, platinum-based therapy or PD-1 inhibitors. Synergistic drug combinations may be more potent than a single cytotoxic drug packed in ADCs. Although a promising future, 
a thorough understanding of the mechanism of action, resistance and toxicities is imperative to ensure that patients can achieve maximum clinical benefit. Hannah and colleagues review immunotherapy approaches to managing gestational trophoblastic tumors, including anti-program DEF-1 antibody, immunotherapy, which can cure patients with multi-drug resistance disease with low toxicity. This treatment enables a rethink of how patients with this rare disease could be managed, focusing on maximizing cure rate with minimum exposure to toxic chemotherapy and promoting better quality of life, including fertility outcomes, in this young patient cohort. Future research requires international collaborations with phase three data needed on the use of immune checkpoint inhibitors, including pembrolizumab, in gestational trophoblastic neoplasia. Studies including Resolve, Avocado and others will address how immunotherapy can be used to cure more patients with less toxicity, revealing whether there are any longer-term toxicity issues in this young female population. Pamela Soberanis-Pigna and Stephanie Loro present a review of Overcoming PARP inhibitor resistance in ovarian cancer. The introduction of manthenone's treatment with PARP inhibitors based on BRCA1, 2 and HRD status was a milestone in the improvement of outcomes of patients with ovarian cancer. Despite the activity of PARP inhibitors, the majority of patients would ultimately recur. The resistance mechanisms include human recombination restoration, which is the most known, drug-target-related resistance, and restoration of replication forms. Novel therapeutic strategies for the post-PARP inhibitors era are considering the following clinical scenarios. First one, preventing resistance by decreasing the risk of developing mechanism of resistance and particularly trying to identify the patients at higher risk. The second one is overcoming resistance by targeting the specific mechanisms of resistance with novel therapies. And the third one, is bypassing resistance by suppressing alternative pathways or improving drug delivery. Modulating the cell cycle checkpoint signaling in ovarian cancer with agents targeting VDR, DNA damage response pathways, and in particular ART CHK1 WEE1 pathway, is an exciting option with mechanistics rational for the combination with PARP inhibitor or cytotoxic chemotherapy as they have the potential to induce synthetic lethality. Defects in BRCA might increase the activation of the PI3K AKC pathway and the inhibition of PI3K produces disruption of HR then the combination of PARP inhibitors and PI3K-AKC inhibitors is currently being evaluated in clinical trials. An important alternative is trying to improve drug delivery. Antibody drug conjugates are promising agents designed to target antigens of ovarian tumor cells with direct delivery of cytotoxic agents to overcome resistant disease. As efflux pumps can be overexpressed in PARP inhibitors resistant tumor cell. Another option is the creation of novel PARP inhibitors achieved a higher above target effective concentration. Concluding, patient selection and biomarkers will be important to develop strategies, 
not just clinically effective, but with safety profiles. Magariaga and colleagues provide an informative review on primary and secondary endpoint selection of relevance for gynecologic oncology clinical trials. The endpoint selection of a clinical trial will differ according to type of study, population, disease setting and type of therapeutic strategy. A randomized control trial should measure whether a clinically relevant improvement is detected with a new intervention compared with the standard of care using reproducible and appropriate endpoints. Gold standard clinically meaningful improvements use overall survival and or quality of life. However, alternative endpoints such as progression-free survival can be used. Efforts should be made to standardize and increase the use and quality of patient-reported outcomes in the studies. Adequate incorporation of biomarker research to clinical trials will allow understanding of the biology of disease, resistance mechanisms and a better identification of intervention benefit and patient selection for new therapies. Devlin and Miller present current genomic testing strategies and emerging developments in high-grade serous ovarian cancer. High-grade serous ovarian cancer is characterized by ubiquitous TP53 driver mutations, frequent somatic copy number alterations and high prevalence of mutations and promoter methylation of genes involved in DNA damage repair. The presence or absence of gene mutations and or genomic scarring act as both prognostic and predictive biomarkers which guide therapy choice. Currently, first-line maintenance treatment is guided by a combination of single gene mutation and HRD scarring assays. Using functional assays and whole exome sequencing may help further refine which populations may or may not benefit from PARP inhibition, whether on their own or in combination. Circulating tumour DNA could track emerging PARP resistance and could inform the addition of agents before progression becomes clinically evident. The role of the microhomology-mediated end-joining pathway in the development of BRCA reversion mutations has highlighted that the homologous recombination pathway is not isolated and we need to look at other aspects of DNA damage repair in parallel. Research needs to prioritise those with intact DNA repair pathways who have not gained as much benefit from PARP. Thank you for listening to the 2023 Third Fellows Choice podcast. We hope you've enjoyed and hope to see you all next month.